Hey, y'all, it's Kristen and Christine from The Takeover. We're growing and loving the engagement via social media and through our audio platforms. If you want to hear more from us, subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's hashtag The Takeover with Kristen and Christine. Listen, rate, and comment on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at The Takeover CC to join the conversation. Now let's get into the episode. You are now tuned into The Takeover with Kristen, Christine, and Naomi. Hey. Hey, <laughs> y'all. So we have none other than Miss Naomi Wright here with us at The Takeover. She's a Wesleyan alum, works at Mass Appeal, and a documentary producer. As we said, you know, this we start off with the takeover segment where you bring in and hear from the movers and the shakers, the go-getters and, and the takers. takers. So um, we just want to open up with this segment and have you talk a little bit about yourself. So where would you like to start? Just let us know who you are, what you identify with. Um, cool. So I'm Naomi. I'm 23. I grew up in New York. I went to boarding school. I went to school in Connecticut at Wesleyan. Um, Which boarding school did you go to? I went to the Groton School. Okay. I went to Loomis. How was that? It was. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. That. That's what I always have to say because, as I'll explain later, I guess we'll talk a little about my professional background. Like, some of my big opportunities have come from going to Groton. So, like, I can't hate on it. And it was worth all the, all the stuff that I went through there. But, like, it was culture shock for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, 100%. All those white kids who seemingly had never been anywhere mm. in their lives. I was like, whew. Um, but it was good preparation for the world and in general for dealing with people who are very different from me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, from there, I graduated about a year and a half ago now. And I've been working at Mass Appeal. Um, I just produced a music video recently for Young Dolph. Um, I produced the City Girls documentary and working on a couple other things that we haven't really announced yet um but yeah most of my work intersects like music and film and tv so i was really excited you guys asked me to come on the podcast for sure, Dope. For sure. um so we want to know how you got into production like what was the background story You're, you just mentioned that a lot of the connections that you've made or things that you learned from Groton, you know has like folded into your career path so tell us more about that yeah um so i mentioned the Groton offering me opportunities. Uh, my first internship was at BET. Um, the former president of programming there, Stephen Hill, he went to Groton, taught at Groton, and was on the board of trustees at Groton. So I reached out to him cold email, which I, when I was, how old was I, like 17? I would have never thought that would work. <laughs> I was like, why am I reaching, why am I hitting up this man? What am I even supposed to say in this email? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, but at Groton has this really cool thing actually that more and more schools are doing where you can find out everyone's info. You can search like mm -hmm. everyone who's like a ever directory. gone to a yeah. directory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like in a mobile app. So mm -hmm. I can like search by company. I can search by location. I can search by industry. Um, so that's been really cool in terms of connecting with alum alumni for professional stuff. But I reached out to him cold. I said, hey, I just want to know what you do. Came to his office like a week or two later. 
and we just had a great conversation he started interviewing me on the spot i thought i did terribly it was my first like corporate interview i, I left and i was like oh my god i didn't know the answer to his question <laughs> yeah. and then his assistant called me 30 minutes later and was like wow do you want to intern for us this summer and wow. i was like wow. 30 minutes blessings. later what blessings and i literally screamed on the phone i was oh. like i you probably think i'm crazy but i'm so excited <laughs> and then i got there and i just wrote everything i was just sponge like i wrote everything down mm -hmm. i asked a million questions like I just did as much as I could. And then that led to a job there for another summer and getting to know the SVP who was like his right hand, who ultimately recommended me for the Mass Appeal job that I have now. I work for a filmmaker who was one of their friends. Nice. So, nice. What summer were you at BT? Uh, the summer after my freshman year of college, I want to say. Yeah, I think so. 2014. Were you there 2015? I was there 2015. You were at BT? Was at I was at Viacom. So I was in, um, I wasn't in 1515. I was 1540. Um, and I was. I was at 1542. Okay. I was there. And yeah. I was in um, music and media licensing. Dope. Did you work for? Wanda uh, and Tracy Lynn. Damn. There's another woman there who's, I think, like the head of, Naja Webb. She's the head of like business and legal affairs mm -hmm. now. She's a West alum. Yep. Yeah. I I work with her too. Cool, cool. And then I was and there. And then you were there right after. Yeah, following summer 2016. Mm hmm Yeah. With MTV. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, it it it's so it's so impressive just to see how, you know, the connections can, you know, help you to get to your next place and just understanding like now that you're fully immersed into, you know, the creative industry, like how do you balance, you know, big picture with you know, small details, and then at the same time trying to please everyone. Yeah. Um, people put a lot of emphasis in this industry and in all industries on relationships and connections, and that's only going to get you but so far. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, at the end of the day, it's about the work. Work, yeah. Mm -hmm. You could know everybody in the industry. If everybody in the industry knows you don't work hard or has not had a good work experience, that will do nothing for you. You know, like, mm -hmm. whereas you can know one person, like, knowing the president of program at, programming at BET who would vouch for me or recommend me for something, open my options up to his whole network. You know what I mean? Open mm -hmm. my options up to a host of people who I could ask like, oh, do you know this person? Or do you have this person's number? Or do you think this person might need an intern next summer? Um, so I think it's it's really about the work. You kind of, you asked about balance. Sorry. Mm -hmm. like the the yeah, almost like even, but even definitely with that and then thinking even with the projects that you have. So now um, thinking about, you know, big picture and trying to fulfill, you know, everyone's needs, but also trying to pay attention to the small details that go into any given project that you work on yeah i try my best not to think too big picture you know what i mean like i think people get caught up on accolades and end goals and whatever and i feel like for me at least like things have happened when they're supposed to and mm -hmm. at some point you just have to trust the process or else you're going to kill yourself of anxiety you know mm -hmm. what i mean so just focusing every day on whatever's in front of me and doing my best at whatever's in front of me not going to sleep until i know that those things are done and then also having some perspective and like knowing okay I, that's enough you know mm -hmm. i'm burning myself out you know i'm i'm stressing myself out to a point that's not healthy um i think taking your own temperature is really important especially as a black woman like how trying do you do to kill that? it how do you do that because it's like that's a lot of like understanding what your boundaries look like so how do, how do you do that yeah it's hard like i've had i've struggled with anxiety like i had i got to a point where i had a panic attack at one point last fall and i was like wait i need to chill like i need to figure out how to live a more like well-balanced well-rounded life that's 
going to fulfill me in other ways. And also just remember that life is not your career. I think mm. especially in this eight, in this like age range, like between like when you graduate and when you're like 25, 26, I think everyone thinks their career needs to be their whole life. And there are mm. so many other things outside of that that can give you fulfillment. And also working on my own projects outside of work so that even when work is shitty or frustrating, I have something else mm -hmm. that I have ownership of or I have family. Like I live at home still and that's such a blessing because I have people that I can go home to every day when mm -hmm. like the world feels shitty, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, so you talked about um having you know your your work life and having things that you do, your projects there, and then also having your outside life. What is the things that what are the things outside of your work that give you the ultimate most ultimate joy? Yeah, um, so unfortunately, I've like put down some of my hobbies, which I'm really hoping to pick back up. Um, when you work in production, that the hours are just, it goes from, it's like manic almost. You know what I mean? Like you work. 12-hour days for for weeks and then you take a break and have nothing to do and you just want to rest and relax because you know it's about to happen again mm. <laughs> um so it's definitely hard to keep up routine I think when you work in production um but I'm, so I'm trying to start dancing again just because I feel like working out and doing physical stuff is really important mm. um but then on a work tip me and my friend Crystal we have this dinner series for women in media that we've been growing for like the past year we do it seasonally mm. And originally we did it um, because we just wanted to kind of create a network for young women of color, like women in their 20s, who don't really have much of a support system. And, you know, like, to be candid, like white people, they know they know a lawyer, they know That's a graphic a designer, they know a this. So like bringing those That's women crazy. with the different skills together who can help each other, like start our own businesses or work or collaborate with each other's businesses or whatever, like just to make sure that we all have, we know that we have, we can see resources in each other. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really become, like I said, it's become like a therapeutic thing for myself. And even though it should be more work, like it doing well always feels like it mm -hmm. kind of rejuvenates me. And it's a, it's a, I guess it is a hobby in some ways, but it's like a hobby where I am my own boss. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I can, it's, it's something in my life that I can control. And I think it's important especially if you have a hectic work life to find the things like working out and like whatever that make you feel like you have like your agency and control over things around you. You sound like you're ahead of the game because right. you know, everybody always mm -hmm. says, make sure you have like something that you're doing that, um, that you enjoy. And a lot of times some of those things, like they don't bring money or they don't bring fulfillment or they don't bring something that's and like they take away holistic time. or and they don't bring yeah exactly they take away time so and time is money you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. um so to find gratification and understand that you are your own boss in that like regardless of whether you financially are like making up the money for it or whatever um i feel like you're on the right path like from mm -hmm. what i'm hearing from everyone else um yeah because they're like you know you're you you enjoy your job much more when you're passionate about it, when you're like, when it doesn't feel like work, when it feels like a hobby. Right. Like you guys have this podcast, you know what I mean? It's something that you can do the outreach, you can grow it, you can figure out the guests, you can design who comes on it. Like it's just mm -hmm. something that you can mold for yourself and like look forward to outside of work. I think that's dope. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, you know, you, you talked about, you know, the, the, your two most recent projects with Dolph and City Girls, which we absolutely love. Thank so you. how did you get to work with both projects? So whichever one you want to start with first, either the most recent or, you know, 
the how many million views, girl? Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, I tell you when I saw it, like, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to lie, like, my heart got so warm because I was like, wow, I know of this person. I've maybe seen her once or twice, like, in, I was like, wow, I know this person. Like, I appreciate that. But so, yeah, how did you get to work on Dolph's n- newest music video and the City Girls documentary? Yeah, so the City Girls documentary was first, and that was a miracle of God, like, and this is this is one of those things when I say like you have to trust the process like there's certain things I cannot do for myself it doesn't matter how hard I work it doesn't matter what I you know what I mean like there's certain things that are just going to happen to you and you just got to be ready when the opportunity comes you know what Mm -hmm. I mean um and so that specifically so our company was trying to do some projects with their record label quality control and I had been following them online whatever um, and we were having trouble actually getting those projects off the ground. And so I was like, guys, why don't I've been listening to their new artists. Why don't we do a documentary, like a short, cause we've been doing digital short form documentaries. I was like, why don't we do one on city girls? And everyone was like, yeah, I guess like, why not? Like, it'll help us, you know, build the relationship and you know, they're dope. And everyone like was like, they're going to be stars. So let's, let's work with them now. Um, and literally that day like that was a meeting that happened at 10 a.m literally that day at 1 p.m a totally separate team the digital team was like oh by the way like everyone in the office knew i love city girls because i'd be blasting the music all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. like super ratchet uh-huh. <laughs> and and someone was like yo naomi uh city girls are coming in here today Stop. and i was what? like what look at that i was like that's funny so then they come to the office and they happen to be with their the ceo of their record label mm-hmm. who is not always with them like right. that was also a special coincidence they were with both of them they were with p and coach k mm-hmm. and um so they get to the office and everyone's like naomi city girls are here city girls are here i'm like stop y'all embarrassing me like i'm not talking to them <laughs> And they were like, you have to talk to them, Naomi. You have to talk to them. So then one of my friends, like the development manager on my team, he grabbed me out of my office and was like, let's go. We're going to talk to them. And I was like, no, please don't make me. And then we got out there. I didn't know what to say. Like, I was like, hey, I really like your music. Like, I was like, I must seem awkward as hell. (laughs) And they were, and it was like the last, it was the last thing on their agenda. It was like 6 p.m. They were clearly Mm. exhausted and they were like, thank you. And then the dude who had brought me over to, to meet with them know, knew their CEO. And he was like, hey, Naomi had an idea for doing a City Girls documentary. And their CEO was like, yeah, we're with it. Let's do it. Period. And he goes. Period. And that was before he met with our CEO. So he goes in the meeting and he's like, yeah, I just talked to someone out there about doing a City Girls documentary. And my CEO was like, yeah, sure. Like, that's, that's, that's a great idea. Alignment. And so I was like, okay, the company's going to do it. So... I go to my boss, who's kind of in between me and the CEO, or he's his partner, and I was like, hey, I really want to work on the City Girls doc. Like, I know it's going to be for the digital team, which is separate. We work in film and TV, but, like, I'd really love to work on it in some capacity. I know their music really well. I'm a huge fan. And he was like, all right, here's what you do. Email the CEO and say, hey, I'd really love to help produce this thing. Um, I don't mean to overstep my bounds. I know I haven't had any experience in this yet, but would really love to be a part of this project basically that like i brought in just gotta put your foot in it and i was like are you sure like i should send that email like that says i don't mean to overstep my bounds clearly that means i'm overstepping my bounds (laughs) right (laughs) and he was like just send it he was like what's the worst that could happen so he sends the email i get an email back 30 minutes later from him 
30 minutes is my sweet spot. Yes. <laughs> I get an email back 30 minutes later from him that says, you're hired to produce it. Wow, the alignment. I said, huh? The alignment. I said, wait, huh? And so I go and I'm like, I'm like telling people, I'm like, is this real? Like, is he serious? What does he mean? This is all in one day? Yes. This all happened You literally in one have day. to write down that date. You need to write down I know, the times. You, journal? you need to write them all. I don't journal, but it's on email. So I could go back and look okay, at it. Okay, yeah, you need time you stamps, need everything. You need those timestamps and just post it. Just be yeah. like the beginning wow <laughs> that's yeah beautiful. so then i go tell i go run into my boss who made me send the email i was like oh my god peter just told me that i can produce the city girls thing and he was like what really that's amazing congratulations like even he was kind of surprised <laughs> and he was in there with someone else and they were like so do you know what it means to produce and i was like mm. <laughs> i was like i'm gonna learn nice. <laughs> and then on top of all that i got really blessed with a team of people who outside of their roles had produced things for themselves before so my director was a producer who had he had a he had a production background and he was also an an assistant director before and assistant directors like really run the show on set um and then my two shooters were both creative producers line producers senior producers on the team so everyone was able to really help me Mm -hmm. um and I was I I just got so lucky because they taught me the whole like the whole process like they I had to execute everything but they like would help me and they would answer any questions and they just helped me through it it was a really dope process take us behind the scenes like the project management of production the um the the granular details that mm-hmm. I guess you you see this nice beautiful like documentary all coming together and we love it and what 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 does it take to create it you can ask any of my friends. It took a lot of sleep. It took 10 different cities. Like, it was not... Like, you can go... Those kind of documentaries, you can go shoot them in a week in one city and be done. They did not want to do that because they wanted to follow JT all the way to prison. Mm-hmm. And on her journey to prison, they were traveling to different cities press every single day. They were basically doing a press run, mm-hmm. like an extended press run until she went to jail, try mm-hmm. to promote as much as they possibly mm-hmm. could until she was getting locked up. And so we were on the road with them, Miami three times, Atlanta four times, LA twice, and New York. And that all happened in a month and a half. So I didn't wow. see my friends. I didn't see my family. I didn't sleep. Like, But it was incredible. I mean, behind the scenes was mostly like organizing logistics. A lot of people actually don't know what a producer does. People are always like, so you direct? And I'm like, no, I produce. <laughs> Um, but it's kind of setting up everything so that the director can show up to set and create. So you mm-hmm. coordinate with talent, um, you book travel, you're managing locations, um, all the logistics that would go into like setting up a shoot and then managing the shoot like on set. Um, and so, yeah, that project was crazy, especially with them because it was actually dope with them because it was their first time doing anything like that. Mm -hmm. So they were as inexperienced as I was, which felt really special. You know what I mean? Like our first interview, our director had to explain to them how to interview. Uh And I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like everyone else, and I I, I knew how, I knew, I was confident about how big they're gonna be. So I like, that that definitely like stood out to me and was meaningful to me like while it was happening. Cause it was clearly like a very formative moment for their career as well. 
And what happens if logistics fall through? Were, were, was there any cases of that? Because that usually happens yeah. in anything that you plan. And what happens when you have to like make up for that? Of course. the the I would say one of the main skills of production is going to be risk management, especially when you're working with talent who can like cancel and their plans change. And especially when you're working with record labels who have, I'm not going to say unlimited money, but they have a lot of money and do whatever they want. And mm. we have to be very specific with how we spend our money. And mm. the budget is ultimately on me. So if we book a, if we book flights to somewhere and then they cancel their flights and we can't cancel ours, you know what I mean? Like that's on me. Yeah. Um, so that stuff was, that was the most stressful part um, because they were like constantly on the move. And I mean, there were, there were things that fell through, you know, like we couldn't shoot or they told us we couldn't shoot the BET awards. And that was supposed to be for our documentary. That was supposed to be like a big moment mm-hmm. because it was supposed to be, you know, it's, it was at the hip hop awards last year is where they were discovered. And it was only like seven or eight months prior and they had mm-hmm. made all this progress since. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that fell through, we were like, all right, what are we going to do? Let's just get someone in the car with them on the way there. Let's work. Let's film the whole process of them getting ready. And then our director, when he got there, just like finessed and pushed his way through, like <laughs> ignored security true. when they were trying to tell him, you can't <laughs> come in here. Um, and he was able to at least get them like walking up to the carpet. Um, and yeah, there were other times like when a restaurant would tell us, no, you can't film in here or a strip club would tell us we can't film in here. Um, and you always got to kind of go with the flow and it's constant, constant, constant problem solving. Hmm. How's that different from the music video set life with, um, Young Dolph? Um, a music video is always much more contained. Documentary filmmaking is very like on the fly. You can't always you like with documentary filmmaking, you can try your best to produce, but you can't always you don't always know what's going to happen. Um, with a music video, it's it's pretty planned. Like we were in pretty contained location. I mean, there are always things you have to troubleshoot, like an artist being late or an actor only being able to stay for a certain amount of time and this scene runs late. And so that actor has to leave set. Um, so yeah, that's, but that's like, that's like the fun part of production to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the adrenaline rush of being on set. Mm-hmm. So there's adrenaline rush and then there's anxiety. Cause I, I know you They're mentioned very anxiety. Close. So how, how, you, how do you manage that? <laughs> They're very close. They're very <laughs> close. I think it's about having a good team. I think it's all about having, I think it's about the, just like in life, it's about the energy that you keep around you. You know what I mean? Like I said, being able to go home to my mom every day Mm. is like a very calming energy. Like when I was working on City Girls, having those people who had all worked in production before and all knew what they were doing made me more confident. You know, like if I was out with people who didn't know what they were doing or people who were also anxious or, you know what I mean? Like Mm. were confusing me or like contradicting me or I don't know, whatever. But having people around you who have the right energy and who like understand you and can help you and teach you is always super helpful so what's next if you can what whatever you can to let us know you know yeah um so i'm working on a, my first long-form documentary um it hasn't been announced yet but that's a project that was really i, I only got that opportunity because of city girls like the re- some of the relationships that I formed from working on that set up like my next opportunity. Um, and so, like I said, like I would have, I would have never thought that I would be working on like a feature length documentary at this age in this capacity. That's at all. beautiful. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate Same that. Here. Same here. All right. Well, I think, you know, our listeners have gotten to 
Here they know more now. than enough. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hop right into it. You know, let's the the takeover is all about music, media, and black girl magic. So we're going to start with new music. Yeah. This week's new music selection was from Ramon. And uh, her latest song is Realize. And she's Eritrean-born, 21 years old. Her story is so amazing, y'all. Like, she... Her family is originally from Eritrea. They leave to to UK to be refugees, but then have to leave again and end up in Germany. And now she's in um, Amsterdam in the in Netherlands. Jesus. And she dropped out of school and decided, you know, I I'm just gonna create. And you know, all that traveling and then being matched up with an amazing producer. You know, she's been making magic with them ever since. Um, but I think what was amazing about her story and then listen to the song, like it just has a nice cool vibes. Like it had the the bad gallery. And um it made me think about, you know, moving from place to place. And I guess I wanted to ask Naomi, um, firstly about this song and then of course share what you've been listening to recently. But mm-hmm. um what kind of stories do you hear from artists about and other creatives about how traveling is like intrinsic to their storytelling? Um, to be honest, I feel like a lot of rappers, their storytelling is based in their kind of small hometowns and communities. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like a lot of their, their music represents a sense of place, like Mm. and a sense of belonging in that place. You know what I mean? Like a lot, you'll hear a million Toronto references in Toronto rappers Mm -hmm. music. You'll hear a million Atlanta references in Atlanta music. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm trying to think if I if I have any artists off the top who are whose experiences are I feel like I feel like definitely every like Latin artist because they have families from other places especially you know mm-hmm. especially like immigrant born mm-hmm. artists mm-hmm. Um, but yeah I feel like in most of the music that I listen to their music is largely about their identity being tied to their hometown and or like their city mm. okay okay that reminds me of my sister Janae she goes to Clark Atlanta in Atlanta and she's big on future and all the other rappers down there and she every time she like goes to a new place and mind you i don't listen to future so i don't know any of the places or the lyrics but she's like oh this is what he was talking about and and it's the same thing as like they literally reference all the time the things that they've experienced and or the places that they've been for sure for sure so that was our new music what are you listening to what do you want our listeners to be listening to um some and I know that that's a lot to ask of someone who's always taking in a lot of media and a lot of content to be able to. Right. But recently, actually, I've been watching more stuff than I've been like listening to. Okay. Um, but I'm still stuck on in terms of like new, new, new rappers. I'm stuck on this um, this little Mosey mixtape. And I'm also really into the Sheck West. You know what? I actually Sheck West is actually his actual music. I'm not obsessed with, but like seeing him perform his mm. concerts bring it to life like mm. he just has an energy and like a like a way to like capture a crowd that is like incomparable and i feel like really captures like what like young new york city is is like right now nice. and then i've also been listening to the future future juice world tape which i feel like mm. people haven't really been talking about but it's is it the good. one with the um it's the, the world yeah and then the pills world on the drugs world. okay <laughs> got it got it got it <laughs> They were very literal with the artwork. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I only heard Nikki's um her verse on one of the songs there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. 
Up next, what do we have? We have Black Girl Lit, and the lit is for literatura. Okay. <laughs> um, so today we will be reading from The Fader. <laughs> <laughs> Please rise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's this article that I saw. Um, I, I subscribe to their newsletter. You know, we love um, we love us some newsletters mm-hmm. here. And one of the articles is titled, We Wear Money Because We'll Never Be Able to Own Enough of It. And I was like, wow, drag me in the title. The whole word. Um, and then I started to think about like, all these other ways that this very title is manifested in culture, specifically like hip hop culture, black culture, you know, poor culture. Mm. And I'm like, wow, Fader article made me think a lot. I'm surprised. Um, and so some of the quotes from that that like really stood out to me um, is like, since money rules our lives and accumulating it is a Herculean task, being financially stable feels like a pipe dream. Fantasizing, however, is still free. I'm a big advocate of fashion being transportive rather than functional, and the rise of money-inspired pieces is taking the grim necessity of capital and turning it into a spectacle of fantasy. So, all the big words and beautiful, like, elaborate um, sentences aside, I just feel like, one, I didn't notice that as a trend, but I, I know that money has always been the, like, main topic of songs. We We know Kim... You know, that whole era was, like, early 90s um, was, like, being flashy and, like, having jewelry and having money and, Mm -hmm. you know, just, like, showing it all. Mm -hmm. And even in books, like, um, have y'all ever read, like, uh, Coldest Winter Ever? Yeah. Yeah, where it's, like, she literally is talking about the importance of money and, like, even though she didn't have it, how she had to style herself up so people would look at her differently. For sure. Um, So I'm just intrigued by this idea of, like, people literally wearing money. Like, people are, like, um, YG's. The print. Yeah, the print of money. YG's um silk suit and big bank. Yes. Um, and then there's like runway models wearing this. I just want to know what your take on that is, like what it means for our culture. Yeah, I mean, I think capitalism is capitalism across the board. You know what I mean? Like white people, black people, rich, poor, like everyone this country is built on capitalism. Um and but to me what's interesting about it is that like black people get a bad rap for our consumerism and it's like and it's true like because a lot of times consumerism for us it further disenfranchises us Mm -hmm. you know but at the same time like y'all put us in this position like let us express ourselves however Mm -hmm. you know what i mean a lot of times like buying buying all those like jewelry and And chains like it's it's aspirational Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's reflective of who we want to be and Mm -hmm. we want we want to be able to afford and i think Black people should have the right to express themselves that way without being looked at as like foolish or dumb. Mm -hmm. I think, and especially because, you know, clothing as a way to express yourself allows for you to be able to make a statement that oftentimes, you know, you're silenced to even say anything. So to be able to bring that into a room allows for you to like really show your full entire self. And oftentimes, you know, you, you're limited because of your resources. So the most you can do, you should, you know, that's my opinion. Yeah. And then the idea of it being transportive is like, it literally is for some people it literally has taken them like to higher heights. You have, Mm -hmm. um, like people's, you were telling me about um cardi's collaboration with right fashion nova. cardi with fashion nova and hennessy's Hennessy about to drop a boohoo and yeah you like adidas and and run dmc from way back and it's like usually if they show that they are like have allegiance to a brand and people tend to like buy it more because black people are cool and right. coolness equals money for corporations Fact. right and 
that's a fact. And what I will say is that with the fact that our consumerism disenfranchises us, I think something that I want to do so badly is figure out how to buy black. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I wish it was just more accessible. I wish it was more transparent about what places were black owned. I wish, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wish I had more information about that. That's something mm-hmm. I could do better about. But I think in general, thinking about our spending power and if you don't feel like you have a ton of spending power thinking about like our clicking power like those mm-hmm. things equal dollars yeah. too you know what they i mean sure like who do. are you investing we're your just, time and which is money who are you, what are you investing that in for sure for sure we were, we, were, we were just talking about that the idea of like likes and like thinking about like who do you aspire to be like even through social media and thinking about where you place those likes and being very selective about that i agree for sure is there any way that you feel like money has directed your career path or even like fashion wise, literally like actual money wise. Yeah. Um, luckily, not yet, but I recognize how much of a privilege that is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I live at home. So I think I've had a bit of a freedom to like not be as stressed as most people our age are about money. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, I mean, I, I went to, to, to prep school. So like I definitely think about like, how I carry myself and what I'm wearing and what that looks like to people in a room. And, you know, when I go on certain interviews or certain events, like, should I be dressed this way? Should I wear whatever? Like that type of consumerism, I think affects all of us. Anything else? I just thought this, this article was like so interesting. I was Mm -hmm. really surprised by like the content. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I'm like, like, my bad. Yeah, you're good. Um, I don't. Do you think it's a new trend though? Like, do you think wearing money at least? Not yeah, maybe not just speaking about it, but just wearing it. I don't think so. I mean, like think about how flashy like the 2000s rappers were. Like think about the idea of like girls and like Nelly swiping you know, like cars down. <laughs> right, right, right. Like we've we've been obsessed with money and we've been told that like money is a way to freedom and unfortunately like it helps. Like it helps mm. with your agency and your ability to move through this world, but I don't think it necessarily equals freedom like we've been taught. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of freedom, only in NYC your IDs and thinking about how freely you can move through place to place. Yeah. Now there's this thing called the real enhanced ID. Wait, what is that? <laughs> so. It's this new, like, New York State identification. So it could be, I think I think it could be a license. It can be, like, your non-driver's um, ID. Um, and it could be, it's in the version of a permit. And when you have it, you can travel to Canada and Mexico without a passport. And... You have to have, like, so much documentation to even get one, but everyone has to have one by 2020. Right, just like getting TSA pre-check. Right. But also, I think it's, it's what's so interesting about that is how it's also sort of kind of putting limitations and, or rather, amplifying the fact of who has citizenship and who does not. It's, like, another ploy, I personally, yep. by, like, the, by the government to, like, highly identify those who are undocumented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're making it ridiculous. easier for some and we're making it much harder for others. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Absolutely. And, and like you know it has a star on it that's it does it has a star on yeah. it yeah and that's reminds me so much of like nazis uh reminds me so much of like it gives me like scarlet letter esque yeah. feels it's like it's like wh- who thought through this mm. wait can i tell y'all about something that only happens at nyc yes yes <laughs> for sure this past, this past weekend 
I was minding my business. I was wearing no makeup. My hair was still wet from the shower. I looked dusty as hell. <laughs> Why did a man in a wheelchair come up to me like, shorty, what's good? Ooh. And I, he was like, he was like, can I talk to you? And I was like, no, but I was stuck waiting for the light. So mm. I couldn't walk anywhere. Mm. <laughs> and he handed, why did he hand me his business card? Right. And he was like, I really need a new home health aid. Dad. <laughs> wow. I was he like, said, only in New take, York do niggas try to holler at you. Like on the street with a business card to, to be his to home, be health, his home aid. health aid. Holla at him. <laughs> Only in New York. Listen. I'm dead. That's hilarious. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Dudes are relentless out here. The, Even yeah, in wheelchairs, no, sure. nothing the will goal. stop them. Nothing. <laughs> like, They're okay. about to be on his deathbed. Here's my talk about, can you home health? Can I holler? <laughs> That's right. Here's my cord. <laughs> dead, dead. I'm dead. All right. I don't have any more. Only in NYC. No. That was That was all I had. This This real ID. Which took I me mean, took me like three hours to get. I by imagine, the way, because he was at the DMV, right? Yeah, that's crazy. I know that everyone's gonna have to get one, and I'm like not looking forward to getting it only because I'm gonna have to retake my picture. Yeah, I didn't want to retake my picture. Do you have a license? Yes, mm-hmm. and I think that black people should get them, even when they live in New York City. Say more. It just makes you. It just makes. I mean, same way I think black people should get passports. Oh, like, yeah, sure. if you can, obviously, yeah. people, not everyone can, but mm-hmm. it just like expands your options and the reason mm-hmm. mom especially as a woman actually the reason why my mom made me get a driver's license is because she was like i never it was when i was going to college her immediate fear was like i never want you to have to get in the car with someone drunk like i always Same want you to be here. able to be the designated driver because you wow. can rely on your own self but in general you know what i mean like just being able to get around it's yeah. it's just improved my ability to move for sure, for sure. okay about to move on right along to around the fu's and so the FUs this week are going to, it was going to people, but um, we're going to just call out a whole bunch of states, okay? So Florida, Georgia, and Arizona. Well, Arizona kind of came correct, um, you know, and we're speaking specifically about the midterm election recounts. Um, I think it's so interesting that, like, finally they've had the recounts and denying certain counties, particularly the ones with um, cough, cough, um, POC and highly democratic counties of receiving their proper recount. Um, so as of today, which has so for so many years been historically read, particularly when um, former and late um, Senator John McCain um, was alive, he was the senator of Arizona. But recently, um, uh, Arizona has gone blue. Um, but unfortunately, um, you know, right now, Andrew Gillum, who is, um, you know, the Democratic uh, candidate for Florida's gubernatorial race and Georgia's Stacey Abrams are still not, you know, conceding. So shout outs to them for not conceding in I their election. Stacey had it, y'all. Yo, no, I would have thought. I thought Stacey had it. Where where do people? She probably at? does. That's the thing. She probably does, and that's mm-hmm. why they're trying to, you know, hide votes. Voter suppression is real out here, mm-hmm. and literally, especially in the South. Mm, what? What? Literally, like. The history books tell us all. Right, to know that the relics are still ever present in 2018 where, Trash. you know, the time, like, you're, you're voting right. Like, how much does a vote cost? It, it costs your, your, your entire being right now, it, ultimately. 
And, you know, even today, we heard that Nakima Williams, who's actually one of the Georgia senators Mm -hmm. and a black woman, was recently arrested for protesting at the state capitol based on the recounting. So Literally, yeah, she was literally (laughs) protesting, saying that, like, these people need to, these votes need to be recounted. We need to respect our democracy. And they arrested her on the state capitol. And she's like, well, I'm I'm the senator. I work here. You know, like, it's it's ridiculous. And, Mm. I mean... Especially when you have somebody stand up for what's right. Like, I can't even believe that they would have, I mean. Y'all, I feel like it's the end of times. Oh. Mm. Like, those fires in mm. California. Fire. Revelation. That confirmed it. I was okay. like, no, this is getting too, Smack too similar to the Bible. Bible. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. So. Nah, but ultimately, I think what it comes down to is, like, you know, we're, we're we, people, people tell us all the time, like, and I'm sure they tell you to. Um, Naomi that like you're so young for doing the things that you do and like being able to be educated in certain spaces but then understanding that that was a privilege and then this voting privilege like how can we bring that back to our our communities but then also understanding that it's a two-way street like the fact that you know how do you really understand how to choose the person that you want to you know vote for how do you decide um, whether or not you know those issues are pertaining to you and like how how do our communities even talk about voting? Yeah, you know? it's and one of my it's one of my like career goals to work on a, someone's campaign. Like mm-hmm. just because I've always I've always felt like as a black person who somehow got an incredible education, like I feel a, a responsibility to like pay that forward. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. to help other people who don't have the access figure out how to make a difference and how Literally. to get similar resources to mm-hmm. what I had. Yeah, because sure. like you, you literally, I mean, I on one end they're telling you like go vote, like, and and the go vote is is like vote blue, you know, right? Because uh, we need it, right? We do need it, um. But at the end of the day, it's like exactly why am I voting? Who am I voting for? What agenda items am I voting for? And then I've always, I've always wondered like when you hear voter suppression, specifically like young people, I mean, and millennials have turned out massively this Crazy. election um but thinking about like how does it influence their the that return rate right because it's like okay so one i've always a lot of people have thought okay my vote doesn't count and now we're like okay so my vote does count because look how close this has gotten us mm-hmm. but then what happens when with the return rate you know like mm-hmm. because they're like they've already suppressed me so do i go back or right. they've suppressed me and so i damn sure i'm going back so like i always wonder what which avenue do people walk down yeah i, I think for me, it's, it's, it's just understanding that so many people have died for the opportunity for me to have that vote. Like, why would, and while it, it, it oftentimes feels like, oh, and then, oh, the politicians are not working for me. It's like, at least let me try again, you know, to just try. Um, and then to to make sure that not only are we, you know, obsessing over our vote and making sure that we're going to vote but we're also making sure that the proper people are in line for that position you know Mm -hmm. like i wholeheartedly believe that gillam and abrams are the right people to be there and if they got suppressed then i want to make sure that the next time if anyone else of their caliber is up there that i'm going to make sure i I would vote again for sure i mean people should have figured that out with trump (laughs) like (laughs) People should have showed up and showed out for whoever they believed in. And maybe they did. Like, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, we also have to consider that we, for the most part, I mean, the internet has, like, expanded and, like, helped with globalization. But 
for the most part, we live in like a feedback loop or a bubble. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. of course I thought Stacey Abrams was going to win. Everybody who I follow is a Democrat. Posing, All the right, people right. who I who I keep up with were posting in support of her, you know? Right. right. But the Republicans, they also come out strong. Right, mm-hmm. they came out. The same the same way we're trying to galvanize mm-hmm. the Democrats, those the 23-year-olds on the Republican side are doing mm. the same thing. Imagine. And maybe mm-hmm. stronger. I don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump right over to the next segment, and that's Your Real Talk. And Christine has a little shade to throw, so go ahead. So, <laughs> first, firstly, um, remember to use the hashtag Your Real Talk <laughs> and hashtag The Takeover Pod to join the conversation. And feel free to email thetakeovercc at gmail.com with any suggestions. So, sipping of the tea. Uh-oh. So this week's your real talk is going to the idea of friendship. So the questions for today are: Do you think that all friendships have their own seasons, or was that friend never a friend to begin with? Y'all trying to get me in trouble? <laughs> 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 um, I think what's that expression? Like, there are friends who you have for a reason, a season, and a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I really believe in that. Like, I believe there are people who come in your... I don't, I don't believe that no one is not is, is there without without reason, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even if people are meant to, to teach us something, like... I mean, it depends. It depends on what your judge of character is. I, mm-hmm. I can only speak for myself. You know what I mean? Like, maybe mm-hmm. that person over there has had friends that weren't real friends. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've ever had anyone close to me who or who I've let get close to me who wasn't a real friend. I just think there may have been personality differences or differences in character, or differences in how we handle certain situations that have made it so that either we grow apart or we've had to decide to not be friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyone who's ever been close to me has like taught me an immense amount about the world, about myself, about what kind of people I want to be around. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm one of those everything happens for a reason type people. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I ask is just because... <laughs> um, you know, like, it's so hard, especially, you know, going to the schools that we went to, right? And, like, thinking about there's only so many of us, you know? And not to say that all your friends have to be, you know, identify with every single last social identifier that you do. But also feeling like, you know, it gets hard when it's when it's only so many people out there. Like, not all, people say it, not all skin folk are kin folk, you know? You saw them people riding for Trump in the Okay. You saw them. So I don't know. I was just I was just thinking about it only because, you know, as as for me, especially like thinking about how I've chosen friends, it's like I'm I'm the helper, right? I'm like the giver. And then when I feel like certain people are That's not dangerous girl. Don't I'm do learning it. that. <laughs> I'm learning that. But I'm learning that because then some people oftentimes like aren't you realize that gratitude is not in everyone's DNA, you know? That not everyone is inherent. Like, my doctor... How long ago did you guys graduate? Same time as you. Oh, you guys are same year? Yeah. Okay, so y'all are right in it. Like, the time between... My mom always says, like, the time between college and when you're, like, 25, or the time between college and, like, your first or second year out, like, that's when you're really figuring out who you want to be as an adult. Mm-hmm. So there are people who may have been amazing, incredible, perfect friends, especially if you went to boarding school. Like, that's literally, you literally live in a bubble. Like, that Mm -hmm. whole social space is constructed. So someone who was able to be your friend on a campus of 80 people may not be able to be your friend in New York City with however many, you know, people are in the city and how you're trying to move and shake and 
they may not understand your home friends and you also may have just grown up mm-hmm. and grown apart like yeah. that and i'm grateful that i have some friends who we've grown apart and still have like a crazy love and hang out and stuff like that but like you're right there's plenty of people who like it it's just it's not necessarily a forever friendship and i think that's perfectly fine and i think you can still find like love and respect and common ground for those people as well mm. i'm learning no I, I honestly i think my doctor i had a, a great conversation with with my doctor my, i go to a like a, a not, like a holistic doctor um and he was telling me like even the idea of like resentment and like feeling resentful about friendships and not understanding like you know, resentments take away space from, like, forgiveness and gratitude. And I was like, okay, so (laughs) let me take that word and share it with those folks because I think it's... Are you bad at forgiving people? Um, No, I think... I think I'm... Mm, oh, my gosh. Okay, so... It's a give and take. I think you should take... There's a... Y'all know the five love languages? Yes! yes. Do you know there's five apology languages? Yeah, I, I was telling you about that. <gasps> oh, yes, no. yes, yes. I, I preach, took it. I preach the love oh my languages. God. Yeah. You I have preach to, the love yeah, languages. It's real. It's real. Mm-hmm. Like, again, you can love someone, but if you don't communicate love in the same way, if you it don't identify off. things as love then you're you may not be meant to be. Like, mm-hmm. you can you can love the shit out of someone. And if you two are not... Can, cannot communicate like ha, like your love for each other mm-hmm. in the proper mm-hmm. ways it's just not going to work out and that's very true of friendships too mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm. like i've had friends who just read certain things i do and they see malicious intent in, in something or they think that i'm being careless because i don't check up on them x amount of times a week or a month yeah, and it's like, people like it's like that's mm-hmm. just not how i communicate love you know what i mean like you're gonna get much more love out of my quality time than mm-hmm. like my words of affirmation mm-hmm. you know and if if that's not how you see love or think that love should work, then we're not going to be able to love each other right. as as friends or more than friends. So maybe you should send whichever friend you throw in the shade to, you send them the love languages and the apology languages and see whether theirs are similar to yours. You know damn well she ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her. She's looking at us like, uh, next. <laughs> no, I next. think, no, no, I think, I think wholeheartedly, like, I've learned that, you know, I'm a giver. I, as I said that before, I like, I'm one that I will give my last, but I'm understanding I have to keep for myself. And, you know, people take kindness for a weakness and also, you know, learning and understand what you said, like learning from, from certain friendships and every friendship is for a reason. It's, it's taken me a while to understand that. Um, maybe it's because I was, I don't know. I don't want to blame it on being like an only child, but it's like I gravitate to friends immediately. Like if mm. and so like when I feel like the friendships are not working or if like the friendship is done, it almost like hurts me much more than I think it would hurt other people. And so I'm just trying to figure that out. Um, but not trying to grow too much of a tough skin only because this world is not nice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you mean, because I have I have i'm teen siblings mm. so i'm like Same. how many you have <laughs> i have four i have um a total of oh no nah, she had to think she definitely yeah. has more than me yeah <laughs> i'm like let me count them up um i have five sisters and one brother and all, every time I, I like lose a friend or feel weird about a friend i always like i'm like my sisters can't run away from me so y'all gonna hear the story y'all gonna hear how i feel y'all gonna help me communicate through this and then we're gonna work from it so i get it like when if you don't feel like, okay, so at the end of the day, I can't, like, I don't have, like, someone who I can force to be there, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, yeah. to, like, literally just hear me out, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 But 
side note, like with the except with the, me, I'm here. <laughs> but also speaking of like siblings and stuff like that, it just came to me. So like, I just got back in contact with two of my half siblings. That's and I was crazy. actually talking to them this weekend. Um, one of them live in New York and has uh, a daughter. Wow. Um, in where? Zay in New York. Okay. Zaylee so Blue. you got work to do. Okay. Work. And my other brother, who's actually the one closer in age with me, he's he just moved to Florida like a couple months ago and st- is starting like his life out there. So I'm like, maybe this is God telling me that like I need to figure out my blended families. Yes, and figure it out. Yeah. I'm a firm advocate. Go take a flight to Florida. Okay. Get an Airbnb if you don't feel. Spend two days there. Spend three days by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know. Just figuring it um, out. Um, you got a niece. Yeah, That's bro, crazy. whole niece. Yeah, figure that out. That's good. That's it's cool. really good. Trust me. Okay, I believe in you. Thanks. Oh, the last. <laughs> segment here we have is take one pass it down and as we mentioned before take one pass it down is all about positivity thinking about how we can pour into each other so we can all be you know productive and um and healthy and good people so we have one question for you and that is what are three things you would have told your younger self in pursuit of the entertainment industry Mm. That's a good one. Hmm. Okay. First of all, I would say what I've already said, which is trust the process. Don't let your anxiety beat you before you start, you know? Um, I spent a long period of time after graduating unemployed, and that literally almost happened to me. I mentioned I had a panic attack. I was getting so incredibly stressed and defeated about not having a job. I was starting to question myself. I was starting to to question, like, everything I knew practically, and people... In retrospect, I'm like, oh, I just didn't have a job. But, like, mm-hmm. in the moment, I was like, yo, I've worked my whole life for this. Like, I've worked mm-hmm. my whole life. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it was just, it was crushing. So, yeah, trusting the process because the thing that I that I held out for has been an incredible, incredible experience with, you know, I've, I explained some of the stuff I've gotten to work on and produce. Like, that wouldn't that might not have happened anywhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably destiny. Like, okay, I, no, I, you need this time to, like, take a break. Yo, breathe, I need, you know what? I needed it to break me down because things in life had been handed to me too easily, mm. to be quite frank. Like, going to those schools, like, being around those people, like, things had just been easy for me. And, you know, I didn't think so. No one thinks their life has been easy for them. Right, right, you know right, what I mean? Right. But I was like, oh, I started thinking about, like, oh, snap, what if I never get a job? Like, money problems you know what i mean like mm-hmm. things that i was That's just, real though yeah it's mm-hmm. super real like things that just weren't that i hadn't act, i never thought would be an issue for me like i had to start considering and i think that made me appreciative of everything that had happened to me and then super appreciative and excited to wake up for work every day to the mm-hmm. point that i worked really hard out of love not out of like fear that i'm not doing my job mm-hmm. or like a oh, boss beautiful. that's telling me whatever um yeah and that was really rewarding I would also say always push your your comfort like always put yourself out there you know the thing I mentioned about sending an, a cold email like I was like I feel so silly but okay send and that led to my first internship which ultimately blossomed into a career you know same thing the email that I sent about can I help produce this I just I just asked to help produce it and that felt like a stretch they let me I feel produce a book it. coming on yeah. <laughs> I feel a book it in my spirit is, it okay is. <laughs> No, for sure, because the understanding is like, and these stories need to be told, right? I feel like that's so beautiful, like, why we have the takeover here, and like, but also, like, why we need to tell our own stories, like, 
in all the mediums, in all the different ways, shapes, and forms, because no one else is doing it for us. And so many other people are doing it. Um, and I don't want to take away if you have a third one, but like it, it truly, it truly like overwhelms me to like be in the space and understand that like you can do it. Like mm-hmm. that affirmation of waking up in the morning and being it's able something to say black that, people don't hear. Mm-hmm. It's literally I w- I've said that so much. Like I even like feel bad. I kind of made my parents feel bad about it. But I was like, yo, I wish I had someone tell me that these things that I'm doing right now were possible. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I wish I started working hard. You know, I made a film when I was when I was 15 and got it funded by Grant and got like two thousand dollars to make a film. I didn't think it could go anywhere, so I didn't work that hard on it. Mm-hmm. That film could have toured at film festivals around the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I just yeah. I didn't have that kind of that kind of perspective. I didn't. M- most black kids. I mean, because I, I, in our parents' defense, they come from a time where everything was not possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially like they don't see it. They can't see yeah. it because it they it wasn't there. There's right. barriers, yeah. Right, and there still are ba- barriers completely. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I I hope that I raise my children with an understanding that. They can, that anything is possible like some of my there's some stuff i didn't even get to talk to y'all about like some dreams of mine that like like dream projects that have like come across my desk things that maybe slipped through my fingers or didn't happen but i'm like how is this like this is my like cur- like this is my 20 year career goal like how is someone from this person's camp reaching out to me now like you know stuff like that that just tells me that i'm that i'm on the right path too um and then the third one is really just to keep good people around you like that's simple but that means in all aspects of your life you know what i mean like family friends work and you don't owe it to anybody to keep people around you who you know are not adding positivity to your life mm-hmm. um I, I i wish i could pull up the meme out of nowhere but i read something the other day that was about like just the fact that you don't you don't like don't let your loyalty to someone like drag you through something that is not worth your energy Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of times we feel like oh i've been friends with this person forever or you know i've been working on this person's team for forever so i just need to be down with whatever they want to do and it's like no you can do what makes sense for you you know but at the same time like making sure that you have good people in all areas of your life like who can just give you good counsel who can like pick you up when you're down i have friends who could take me to church like that Mm -hmm. is something that i will always need like i'll always need a friend who i can wake up on a sunday and be like we out right um so yeah i mean people who take care of you because that's that's who you have at the end of the day when my career fails if i get fired tomorrow if you know if nothing goes right like i still have the people in my life and they're gonna they're gonna shape my outlook on what i can and cannot do and how to bounce back from anything beautiful note to end on (laughs) Please, everybody, pre-order the book. It'll be coming out. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And if you haven't already, go and check out the City Girls documentary. Thanks, y'all. As well as the Young Dolph music video. Which yes, plug your social media. We're, Still we're smell like it. Um, wow, I've never done this. Follow me on social media. Yes, girl. <laughs> Loud and proud. Um, at the wrong girl with two E's. My social media has been kind of lacking because I'm working hard and I like to work harder than I post, but you know no I mean, shade no tea listen no shade no tea okay see i didn't even have to elaborate okay. here we go and with that <laughs> we are tuning out, out of the, the takeover, takeover with, with kristen christine and naomi